do that. Um, and we've been doing this series about the Psalms, the soundtracks of life. And I know that when he first introduced, introduced the topic, he talked about some songs that you can relate to. And of course, I do have my songs that I can relate to when it comes to my life that I'm not going to play for you this morning or sing. But the Psalms are just so powerful to read as we get to see this love expressions that David expressed to God and how he felt about it and all that he went through. Um, but let me talk a little bit about myself for those of you that don't know me. And for those of you that already know me, we'll get to just get to know me a little bit more. Um, my name is Ivelisse, and I'm sure you know that I'm from Venezuela. If, if you don't know it, well, you probably can tell that I have an accent. Uh, so you probably noticed by now that I'm from another country. But me and my family have been living here July 27th. It's going to be six years since we moved to America. And we are so, so thankful. And you are so blessed that I, I'm here and that you got to know me. So, yes, yes, God is good, and he blesses you with people that are great. Um, but let me tell you a little bit about me. So when um, I was in Venezuela, I grew up in a Christian home. My parents were Christians. Um, so I, I'm one of those that grew up, you know, as soon as I was born, it's like, whoa, Jesus is good. God is good. You know, you grew up listening to all of these things, coming to church, coming to a worship environment. And um, it's, it's funny because my mom, when she was attending to church, she was part of the discipleship group. And she was assigning everybody, you are going to disciple this person that just, you know, received Jesus in their hearts. You're going to teach them about the word. And the rule in that church was for girls to visit girls and guys to visit guys. And so the day my dad accepted Christ, my mom assigned a guy to visit my dad. And the guy was like, I'm sorry, but the Holy Spirit is talking to me. And he says, you have to visit him. And my mom was like, uh, no, that's not the rule. And he's like, but the Holy Spirit is talking to me. My mom was like, you know what? Okay, I'll do it. And she visited him. And the first time my mom met my dad, God told her, this is the guy you're going to marry. But my mom couldn't say anything. She had to wait for the time. You know what I mean? And that's hard because my mom had been waiting for a while to find the one for her. And she was like, I need to wait. And after a few weeks when the classes were done, my dad called her after a week saying, I haven't stopped thinking about you. Can I go on a date with you? And so they met and they are married. And here I am. And then we have a brother too. Things ended up well. So that's great. Um, but as you see, as I grew up in a Christian home and always going to church. And when I was seven years old, I remember my mom arrived home. I was with my babysitter and my brother. And my mom arrived home, and she found me and my brother in the room, in our bedroom. My brother was playing uh, with some wood sticks that he found. He was playing like a, like a box as a drum kick. And I was singing with the deodorant on my hand in front of the mirror. And so my mom goes, oh, you know, you guys like doing this. And I'm like, I'm not doing anything. I was just, you know, looking around. I'm not doing anything. And my mom always knew that I like singing. And so when I turned nine, she was like, Eva, you need to come to church with me. I want you to be part of the kids' choir. And I'm like, um, no, I'm not going to do that. I used to be very introverted, like very super shy person. And so my mom really asked me, like, hey, you need to come with me. You're going to do great. You can use your gift for the Lord. I'm like, no, I'm not going to do it. She's like, Eva, come on. Finally, she takes me with her one time. She's like, Eva, you're going to do it. I'm like, sure. I mean, she's my mom. There's nothing I can do about it. She kind of, like, forced me to. I went into the rehearsal, and I loved it. I was like, Mom, I love this. I get to know different people, and I'm singing. I'm doing what I love. Great. And my first time singing in the choir, I was not even doing a solo. I told my mom, this is the best. Like, I love doing this. So for those of you that have parents that sometimes 
you know, your parents maybe force you to do something. Maybe you don't like it right now, but I promise you that later on you will be thankful for it. I have, I have, I'm forever thankful that my mom forced me to do it because I don't think I will be here today if it wasn't because of her love for me and her desperation to want me to do something with my talent. And so in this church that we were going to, uh, once you turn 13, you are supposed to leave the kids' choir because you're kind of going into that um, season where you're not a kid anymore. You're, you know, you're growing up. And so at the age of 13, you have to leave the kids' choir, and then later on you can decide if you want to be part of the adult worship team. And even though I went to church for so many times, I don't really remember having, like, a genuine relationship with Jesus where I was, like, praying and, like, you know, reading God's word. And I have, I knew that my Jesus was my best friend. I don't remember that kind of a season uh, when I was younger. But I remember when I turned 13, and it was my last time singing um, with the kids' choir. I remember I was backstage because we had to wait until they made the call for the kids' choir to come in, and they're going to do a, a song for you guys. And I did a few solos uh, back then as well. Um, I remember I was backstage, and I'm just having this emotional moment because, you know, when you're 13 and you're all grown up and you have these situations in life where it's hard because you're going to leave the kids' choir, I was just there. And I was uh, feeling emotional. And I remember I was like, Jesus, just thank you so much. Thank you that I've gotten to be a part of something that I love, where I can see people being transformed, people being touched. And I start just to, you know, pray and have a conversation. And I realized in that moment that I had my, my moment with Jesus, where I knew I was not the same anymore. And when I, as I started to pray, I was like, oh, Jesus, this is, I think, the first time where I'm just having a, a spontaneous, genuine conversation with you. And I said, you know what, from now on, I just want to live my life for you. I, I want you to be the, the center of my heart. I've seen how you have worked in my parents. I've seen what they have done with people, how they have helped them, how you have worked in their life. So I want this for me too. God, just thank you. For, and I started to pray. And that's basically when I accepted Jesus in my heart and I, you know, became a Christian by not having anybody telling me. I just did it right there by myself. And I am so, so thankful for that moment because even though an encounter with Jesus is not a one-time encounter where you are like completely changed and transformed. Some people tell you, yeah, you know Jesus, next day you are somebody else. That's not true. That, that doesn't happen. Um, but it is a journey where you, where you get to know the one who made you. And as you also get to know yourself and learn what you were made to do. And that's what that moment meant for me. It was a moment that didn't ch completely change who I was, but it changed the trajectory of my life completely. And I'm sure some of us have had that in your life amen where once you got to know jesus just something changed you don't know what it is you don't know how to explain it but from that day on once you genuinely decided to follow jesus just something completely changed in your life and little by little things have been changing and you know that one encounter with him was the beginning it was a divine appointment where you know my life changed because i i was definitely touched and Today we're going to read a psalm that's one of my favorite psalms. When Rich asked me, hey, you can pick any psalm that you want. And I was like, oh, yeah, Psalm 16 is my favorite. But then I was thinking about others, and he's like, talk about your favorite psalm. And I'm like, sure. And the reason why this is my favorite psalm is because when uh, the way it's written, it just shows how full and complete David was, how secure he felt because of the genuine relationship he had with Jesus. Because if it's something that we have understood and heard and seen in our own lives for sure and I think Shane shared a little bit about it this morning is that 
the fulfillment of your life is found in your dependency of God. And I'm just going to say that one more time so you can let that sink in a little bit. The fulfillment of your life is found in your dependency of God. The more we get to know Jesus, the more we'll, we'll be complete. That will know our purpose and why we were created. And so it's going to be Psalm 16. I think it might not be on the screens, but I'm going to give you some time to find it in your Bible app or your Bible if you brought it with you. Psalm 16, and we're going to be reading verse 5 through 11. And it says like this, Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With hand on my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure. Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful ones see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. You know, Psalm 16 is a wonderful song relating to how David found the secret to contentment. And great gladness, even in pressing times, because David was going through a very hard time when he wrote this psalm. But we can see how it shows the, the power of Jesus and what he can do for us. And I feel very strongly as I was preparing for this morning that God wants to grow your faith this morning. That maybe you have been uh, uh, growing with Jesus for a while. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you're trying to figure it out. Maybe you don't know who Jesus is. Maybe you really don't have a relationship with him. But God wants, you, wants to take you a little bit further this morning. And he wants you to go from a place where... You know, instead of saying, it's easier to get discouraged when trouble comes. Because we all experience that. We know that it is easier to get um, discouraged when trouble comes. It's easier to stop seeking and hoping when things don't go our way. Or the way that we were expecting it to go. God wants you to go from that place to a place where you can instead go and say, it's easier for me to dig deeper in God's war when things don't go my way. It is easier for me to find him when I don't understand because in the middle of troubles, it is an opportunity for me to see God moving and just bringing his hand and doing miracles where there is nothing else to do. Amen? And so we're going to learn about that this morning. And I want to, you know, encourage you in, in this moment, maybe just take a time where you can say, God, I, I want you to open my heart and my mind in this moment because who wouldn't love to go to that place this morning? You know, where instead of you saying, yeah, it is, it is hard to find. Yeah, you know, no, that's not going to go that way. No, I'm discouraged. I don't know what to do to say, you know what? This is not going my way, but I'm trusting God. You know what? I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm trusting God. You know, where you can go to that place where your faith is so rooted in him that nothing can shake you. In the first verse, it says, the Lord is our portion. We inherit eternal life because of our faith in Jesus. And, you know, just as God was a portion of David, even though he had many earthly treasures he realized that he didn't need earthly portions to be satisfied and at the end of the day just like Shane said you, you share it in one of your songs Jesus is the only portion that we need because when we start to go to different things the things that 
we all know we go to when we try to fill our spaces or when we try to find hope or when we try to find restoration. It doesn't really work. We leave empty at the day, at the end of the day. But when we go to Jesus, we realize, oh yeah, this is a portion that I really needed. You know, the, the tone of this psalm is not despair and it's not complain either. But it is settle joy. Because despite the troubles that David was experiencing, he had a praising confidence in God. The word portion in the Hebrew means inheritance. And we, we all know what in inheritance are, right? Like we normally get inheritance because of someone that we are related to. Like if you had a dad and, you know, he passed away, then you will get their house or somebody is, you know, going somewhere else and then you inherit their cars or certain money because somebody passed away. But inheritance is something that is only given to those that belong. And inheritance is something that God only gives to his children. And so in the scripture, this is referred to so much more than you inherit a property or this amount of money. The Israelites during that time came to learn that God was a portion of their lives. And this is connected to the person and work of Jesus Christ. Because through Christ's redemptive work, we know that we are adopted children of God. We didn't have a relationship with him after the fall happened, but he came and died for us so we could have freedom and have relationship with him. And we don't have to hide or pretend to be somebody else or dress a certain way. We can just come as we are, and we know that we can be face-to-face -face with Jesus. What a blessing that is. Our sufficiency is from God. And we are to be content with the portion that he gives us. He is our portion. And I hope that you know this morning that despite all the things that you might want, you don't need anything else. Despite all the things that you might want in your life, you actually only need him. And you will realize, I can promise you that, that when you have him, you have all that you need. My dad, he's going to turn 59 at the end of August. And something that my, ha my dad had told me many times is, Eva, I've lived three different kinds of life. And I go, what do you mean, dad? I used to ask that. I don't ask it anymore because I know what he means. But when he first told me, he said, first life is, I've lived life without Jesus, doing my own things, going crazy, doing bad things. I've lived life with God, but kind of unsure, like, yeah, going here, going there, not knowing what to do. And the third life that I've lived is with God fully in. And he always says at the end, the third one is the better. And after I experienced the third one, I've never gone back. Because it is truth. Once you experience God to the fullest, and you know what it means to live with and for him, you realize that things happen in life, but you don't need more than that. You only need him. And the second part, it says, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. And just to be honest, the first time I read that, I'm like, the boundary lines. Okay, that's interesting, especially when I read it in, in English. Um, the boundary lines. I used to think, okay, well, our hands, my hands have, you know, you, can, you have lines on your hands. I used to think, oh, maybe the boundary lines have fallen. Okay, maybe God's hands have fallen on me. Oh, yeah, that's what it means. This is so good. Thank you, God. But then I was just studying it. Uh, when this became my favorite uh, psalm, I really 
try to dig more into it. And it says, David makes reference, says, reference to the inheritance he got. And so I realized that this word in the Hebrew, it means to inheritance as well. He's talking about inheritance. And in the older times, lines were used to do a division. So let's say if I'm going to split something with somebody, they will use lines to do the division and then, you know, split it even or whoever uh, got each part. But the boundary lines means uh, inheritance that God has given you. And in that time, we know that David got so much more than a piece of land. He was a king. He had many things. He was part of Judah's tribe. He was Israelite. And because of that, he actually got in trouble. We know that... Uh, Saul wanted to kill David because of who he was. We know that it was part of a purpose, though, that God chose him. But because of this, David got to experience so many hard things. But still, David says, wow, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places, and my inheritance is beautiful. How can you say that, David? Come on. Like, look at all that you're living. Look at all the experiences. You're hiding. You're running to caves. You're depressed. We read the Psalms. This is not the only Psalm that you have written. You have written many others, and we know that you're depressed. We know that you're struggling. But how can you still say that? We can all relate to this in some way because we have all things in our lives that we didn't choose. Your DNA, your physical condition, your family, the city you live in, the time you're living in. You know, you didn't get to choose those things. You just were born with them. I remember when I was in high school, and, you know, since I grew up as a Christian, in a school I got, gosh, I got so teased about being a Christian because if guys were like, Eva, you want to date me? Eva, let's go out. I'll be like, nope, I'm not dating a guy. This is not the time. I'm focusing on God and my studies. And so I always have my friends being like, Eva, you're so weird. Like, this is just not okay. And I'm like, okay. Or they'll be like, why you ne why you don't swear? Why you don't do these things? Why you don't? And I'm like, no, I don't. I just don't do that. I don't. I don't like doing that. Why you don't? Why don't you judge that people? Why don't you do that? And I'm not trying to say here that I was perfect. I'm just saying that I I was trying to do things that I thought were the right thing to do because it's what my parents taught me. And I was always I always got teased about it. Why do you go to church Sundays for the service and then Monday you have prayer meetings and then Wednesday you have worship rehearsal? Girl, you know you have a life and you have other things to do. And I'm like, yeah, I do. Okay, but why? I remember there was a time where I had, we had some, like, break. And I had around 15 of my schoolmates ask me questions. Why do you go to church so much? Why do you believe in church? Why do you believe in God? And I think at that time I was only, like, 14, 15. So imagine for a second the pressure in that moment where you're in a classroom and you had all of these schoolmates, you know, and you want to fit in, you want to be liked. And you have all these cool mates asking you questions like, why do you believe in God? Girl, why do you go to church so much? And then another person, why don't you date? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? And it was, I remember in that moment I was just like, gosh, this is so much. I don't know what to do. But that's something that I didn't choose. It was just I was, I had this strong belief in me. And because of that, you know, you have to pay a price sometimes. And, you know, maybe there are things that you didn't choose. Like maybe you are not able to walk. And some people, I know, I have friends that, they have problems walking and you know they get teased about it or they don't fit everywhere they just they don't get higher everywhere and the thing that you come up with when you have that situation is you know why me why this but the reason 
why David was able to say that even though he had all these things that he didn't choose, is because he recognized that the one in control of his life was God. Nothing else. He knows God made him and that he placed him in that family. I know I have friends that struggle with their parents. There, is, there are just hard situations happening that I'm not going to mention right now, but it's just hard and they can't do anything about it because that's your mom and dad. There is nothing you can do about it. But he knew that if God placed him in that family, he placed him in that city. That was part of his royal inheritance. That's just what was God's plan. He had a purpose. And I want to tell you this morning, if you're face, facing a hard situation, if, if it's because something that you didn't choose, you know, something you have no control over, something that you cannot change because it's just what you got. You didn't choose it. Maybe you would have chosen something else if you could, but it's just what you got. I want to remind you this morning that God's got you and that he will work all things out for your good. I don't really know how he's going to do it, but if he said it, the Bible says that if he said it, he's not a son of men to lie. And when he says something, it means he's going to do it. I don't know how the promise is going to come through in your life. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know who he's going to use. I don't know how he's going to do it, but he's going to make it happen some way. And he wants you to know that you just need to continue to trust him and say yes to him. Because a yes to Jesus opened doors that you never expected that he was going to open. Amen. The next verse, he says, I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, at night he instructs me. And I don't know who you go to for advices, but... You probably have friends that you go to when you don't know what to do. A few days ago, Jess texted me because she needed help picking up some shoes. And maybe you have friends that you ask things for, like, something that, as simple as that. Maybe you have friends that you need to ask about, like, oh, should I date this guy or should I marry him? Should I buy the house? Should I get this job? What should I do? Should I talk to this person? What should I do? You know, I'm sure you have people to that you can go to to do that. But I want to tell you this morning, knowing that you probably know it, that God gives the best advices. And even though sometimes you don't have somebody to go to, because I've been in that place where I don't really know who to go to, when I've gone to God, he always knows what to say. Because he knows what could happen and couldn't happen if you do this or do that. He knows it all. And even when you sleep, his word rests in you. I don't know how many of you have gone to bed right after you watch a horror movie. The strong people in the room are like, I do it all the time. Does that happen to me? I'm fine. Good for you, okay? Good for you. Um, but, you know, when you go to bed and you just watch something very just awful, you know, and you go to bed, it's hard for you to go to sleep because you just have those images in your mind. But here what David is saying, you know, when you go to bed, if you meditate on his word and what, on what he said to you, you're going to rest well. Because God's word was not only made for you to get in it, but for God's word to get in you. So I love that trait. You know, you don't only read it and go, oh, yeah, I'm getting into God's word. Yeah, I'm reading it. You know, it's doing something in me. God's word is actually going in you as you read it because it's like food. It just goes in you and it, suddenly you start experiencing this joy. And people, people at work or somewhere else tell you, why are you always so happy? Like, this is happening. This is not good. Why are you like that? You're losing the house. Why are you acting like that? Like, with this faith sense a kind of life when you're about to lose these people in your life, whatever. Well, because God's word is in me and I'm rooted in him. So nothing changes. Nothing shakes me. 
And so that's what God wants for you to get into his word as his word gets into you. And you will see how something will happen in you. God delights in us and he desires to speak to us. I um, joke with my mom sometimes because my mom loves to have the house clean. Like she loves keeping everything clean. And my dad and her have had conversations about it because, you know, guys are a little bit different in that area. You know, they leave the towel, they leave the stuff. Guys, you're awesome. I'm trying to point at you this morning. Um, but my mom loves to have everything clean. And every time people come, and she especially, especially when people come to visit, they want she wants to make sure that everything is clean. So if the house is clean, but I leave one cup on the side, she's like, Eva, these people are coming. Take that cup, please. Remember what you should do. And she wants to make sure that everything is clean, especially when guests are coming. But I always tell her, Mom, houses are not for good impressions, but a place for free expression. And I saw it in a movie. Um, and I always, I always tell her that. And she goes, I don't like that. That's a movie. It's not real life. I'm like, OK. But you know, she likes to make sure that everything looks great when people are coming over. But you know what I love? I love that God doesn't want you to look great when you're coming to see him or when he's coming to visit you. You know, we try to, I have to be good so God can fill me up this morning. I want to be great so God can pour out his love on me this morning. I need to make sure that I stop doing that bad thing that I did yesterday or like that I'm, I did this morning so God can actually give me his blessing. But God doesn't say any of that in the Bible. He says, come to me, all of you that are weary and heavy, and I'll give you rest, and I'll give you hope, and I'll give you peace. And so he wants you to know that you don't need to look great or sharp so he can come and fill you up. You can just look as you are, because sometimes we don't always look great. And if you're like, oh, we do, uh, you don't. Wake up in the morning and look at yourself in the mirror. And maybe you look a little bit different. But, you know, we don't always look great. We Sometimes we're sad, sometimes we're crying, sometimes we don't know what to do, and God says, I still want you, I still want to meet with you, I want, to, I want you to come with me just as you are. Sometimes, and I'm sorry for that, the church says, fix yourself, behave, and then God can bless you. And I am very sorry if you have been through that before. I have been through that before. Um, God doesn't call the church to do that kind of thing. We shouldn't be doing that kind of thing. God says, come as you are. And from there, we can, we can work something out. But please, if somebody tells you, you need to behave yourself and do good so God can love you. That's a lie. That's a lie. God wants you to come just as you are. And he will bless you because he loves you. Because you are his. The next part says, keep my eyes always on the Lord. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. I'm going to go a little bit faster here. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure. Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. Nor will you let your faithful one see decay. And in ancient times, uh, right hand represented someone whose ultimate power and strength was right there for you. In this case, we know that David was basically saying, God is, my, as my, uh, God is at my right hand, so he's always right there to assist me. David kept his mind so intently fixed upon the providence of God that whenever any difficulty or distress shall befall him, God will always be at hand to assist him. And I think that's an amazing, amazing promise that we can hold on to this morning. That when we have a struggle, we can just go, 911, hey God, I need you right now. And he'll be right there. Sometimes in, movie, in movies, we know that that takes a little bit. Even, I don't know why for some reason in movies, cops are always late. They always are there like after everything happened. But to know that we have a God that as soon as you say, God, I need you, he'll be right there. Sometimes not in the way that you were expecting it to be, but I promise you, he'll be right there. 
How dependent are you on God? Because, you know, we live in a culture that we are to be independent. You know, you have to work to get what you want. If you want a car, you need to work to buy a car. You want a house, you need to work to buy a house. You want a phone, you need to work to buy a phone. But the Bible encourages us to depend on God always. I've even I've done it myself. When I have people, can I help you? I got it. You're good. Don't worry. You don't need to help me. Hey, can I do this for you? It's good. I don't need anything. I'm fine. All right. Can I give you a ride? I have a car. Don't worry. All right. We are born into this culture where we are to got it all, figure it out. Because we got it all together, right? Because we can do it ourselves. Why not? You know, sometimes it's just better to have somebody assist you and help you. Not because you need help. But because maybe it will remind you that you don't have to be alone. And God doesn't call us to be alone. He calls us to be with people. And sometimes when you say to somebody, yes, help me out, even though you could do it by yourself, it is such a blessing when you do it with somebody else. Have, have anyone experienced that before? You know, maybe you could have painted your house by yourself. But when you have friends coming over, you know, it's so much fun. Somebody's eating a snacks. Somebody's having the music play. You're talking with each other. It's just so much better. So when you need somebody's help, don't hesitate to reach out. And when somebody offers you help, don't say no. But let that be an opportunity for community, for growth, to learn from one another. Because it is what God wants you to do with him as well. Be dependent on God every second, every single day. Because the fulfillment of your life is found in your dependency on him. He knew that God was his defender. That God was his protection. I don't know what areas of your life you have experienced um, what areas of God you have experienced in your life, but every single day there is an opportunity for you to experience God either as your friend, as your protector, as your savior, as your healer, and we can experience them in all of them. And I'm going to end with the last verse. It says, You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. And we were talking about this earlier. Possessions may, may satisfy people, and they do, right? When we get a new phone, ooh, there is a lot of satisfaction. When we get a new house, lots of satisfaction. When we get a new car, there is lots of satisfaction. When we get a new job, our dream job, there is lots of satisfaction. When we get a new check, a paycheck, lots of satisfaction. But David considers that. He considers all that he had was a blessing because he had God. Because when he has God, he realized that all his satisfaction and desires were met in him. He was the source of his stability and security. He delivered him. He led him through life. He gave him constant joy in his presence. And, you know, I found my full meaning in God. There were times in my life where I used to deal with, I wanted to please everybody. I wanted to just fit in. I wanted to, I wanted everybody to like me. But then, you know, God reminded me that I don't need to have people approve me when he has already approved me. You know, he created me. He loved me just as I am with my personality, even with my weaknesses, because through him, we know that he's being glorified. But God loved me just as I am. And only in him I realized that I found my full meaning 
there uh, around three years ago there was a season where I had so many friends and I was kind of like trying to go to everybody's birthday and everybody's meeting and there was a time where I, I, I was burnt out to be honest because I wanted to be for everybody and it ended up not well for me but then I realized God doesn't want me doesn't want me to be for everybody he wants me to be for him because when I'm for him then I know what to do and how I should manage my schedule but only in God we can be fulfilled only in him so this morning may you be encouraged and decide to depend on God in every season of your life and um you guys know what a guitar is right it's right here um normally see normally a guitar has one hole but this is Shane's guitar so it's different um but normally a guitar will have only one hole the other one something else happened but that's not a normal guitar But see, if that guitar, if you put a coin in that guitar, if you put some bills in that guitar, it's not going to really fill the hole. It might fall. If you try to put water in it, it might pour out and probably damage the guitar. I think the hole was there, was left and there for a reason. My guitar friends know what I'm talking about. And for those of you that don't know, well, the only reason why the guitar uh, projects the sound that it does is because of the hole that's in it. It doesn't mean that the creator of the guitar ran out of wood or parts. It was there for a reason. Same way, we were created with a space in our life. And just the person that created it can fill it up. The emptiest spot is not there by mistake. It's not that he didn't have any more wood, more dust. It was designed like that so the guitar could fulfill the purpose for which it was designed for. And just like the guitar, God designed us with a space that can only be filled by him. And if you want to full, find fulfillment in your life, you will have to go to the only one that can give it, which is God himself. So this morning, I don't know where you're at. I don't know where you have been in life, but I want to encourage you and remind you that God wants to fill you up, that he wants you to have him at the center of your life because one we have, once we have Jesus in, at the center of our life, everything just changes. It's not the same. Yeah, he might. He will take you places where you never expected to be. If you would have asked me six years ago, are you, are you ever going to move out of your country? I would have said, of course not. I love my country. I love my people there. But God this had a different plan. And because we had said yes to him instead, instead to our own desires, we get to be here today and ask me if I love it. Don't ask me. I love it. I'll just tell you. I love it. God has just done amazing work in my life and changed my heart. And I have my mind has been just open to see different cultures and get to know different people. And God has just been moving in powerful ways. And that only happens when we say yes to Jesus. So I'm going to invite you to stand this morning as I pray for us. God, we thank you so much for who you are. God, in this moment, we want to give you this moment, God. Jesus, you are the most important thing. You are the most important person. And without you, we wouldn't be here today. God, we thank you that just like David said, that you were his protector, that you were his savior, that you were his portion, because he had an encounter with you, 
that he cultivated with intimacy with you. God, I pray that we as well can have that moment with you, Jesus. Because every single day, we choose nothing else first but you. It is not our job. It is not the things that we own. It is not the things that we want. It is not even the people that surround us. It is you, Jesus. It is you, the one we want, because only in you we can find all that we need. So God, in this moment, we want to say yes to you. Will you come into our hearts and transform us? Would you come into our hearts and remind us that we are precious, that we are yours, so we don't have to be afraid, so we don't have to run away. We don't have to pretend. We don't have to fake it. We don't have to be perfect. We just need to know that we belong to you, God. We can only be fulfilled when we depend fully on you, God. Jesus, we love you. And we pray all this in your name.